We're in the Big Apple for UFC 295. We're coming at you live from New York City. This is Fight Disciples live. Roll BT. Fight Disciples. Welcome to the Fight Disciples podcast. That's right. We are live in New York City for UFC 295. This is your official preview uh, from the world of MMA. He's excited. What's the first four, man? What's the first four? I asked him a smiley face when we start the show. Um, we always do the show anyway in one take. So it's kind of like nothing's different, but you actually get to interact with today's program because as we are saying it, it is actually happening. So if you've got things that you want to talk about in connection with UFC 295, maybe you just want to have a little bit of a chat about some of the things that we're getting up to whilst we're here in New York, uh, you're more than welcome to do so. Just leave a comment in the comment section on our YouTube channel where this is being streamed live right now. It's also going out on our Twitter feed X. too. Oh, yeah, shit. X. Apologies, Mr. Musk. It, uh, it's going live on X right now too, uh, so you can interact with all our social medias. So get on, stuck on in. Uh, and whilst you're here, if you're a first-time fight disciple, come on, man. You know the rules. We don't do one-night stands here. We're all about loving and relationships. Hit the subscribe button, and therefore you'll never miss out on any of the content that we churn out in the world of MMA and, of course, in the world of boxing too. I've just had a look at myself on the monitor. I'm horrifically lit. You know, when you're follically challenged like me, my friend, you need good lighting to make yourself oh look, God, yeah, look at that. a little like bit less like an egg. Desperately need some Botox there. Look at all them lines. I'll tell you what, though. Our, uh, you can tell that our producer Mikey's weird on this bloody <laughs> trip, can't you? Look at that. Look at the background there. We've got a nice little uh, background there yeah. with, with, with everybody's face on from the men and core men events for UFC 295. We've managed to get ourselves a nice little suite here in the uh, in the hotel to bring you a live stream podcast. Yeah, it's almost professional, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. When me and you just go away by ourselves, mate, we do it on tin cans. That's it. Rocking and rolling, baby. It's very true. But um, the, the response to the diary has been good. Don't worry, we're going to get you more diaries this week. We were... Snowed under yesterday. We had interviews snowed all day. Under. We were Don't lie to people just because you your wife and your dad's watching. <laughs> Nobody snowed under here, man. Nobody snowed under. Were you or were you not in the media room, interview room from 11 a.m. till 8 p.m.? Yeah. There you go. That's a, that's a long day. That's There's nine hours. watching this that are on factory floors, driving vans up and down the bloody country. What I mean proper is... Proper graph, mate. Proper graph. I was sat on my house waiting for professional fighters to come and join me, and we were just having a chat about fighting. I know, but what I mean snowed is... Snowed under. We couldn't... Yesterday, in terms of diary content, it was just us in a room for nine hours. Whereas, we're going to get out and about again today. Hang on, we're going to get it, some good stuff this done. Is, this is a complete and utter lie, right? What happened was this. Nick had two interviews to do. Yeah. Benoit Saint-Denis. Yeah. And Mr. The, Pavlovich. Mr. Sergei Pavlovich. And his interviews were earlier on in the day. Now, when Nick tells you that the, the, there is no diary content to put into a diary to put out for you today, him... And our producer, Mike, left me to it. That's right. They left me in the room by myself. So they weren't there to be able to capture the footage. Mm -hmm. They went out on the piss. That's what they did, didn't you? Well, we were working in the bar, weren't we, Mike? Working, working <laughs> in the bar. <laughs> we Have you heard that nonsense? <laughs> editing content. Weren't we? <laughs> we were editing content. You were ordering, is what you were doing, mate. Uh, thanks for all your feedback as well with uh, the collaboration that we did earlier on in the week with Mike. We did uh, the Believe You Me podcast. Uh, if you haven't seen it, um, what we're going to do, we've got the audio feed and we've also got the video of it as well. So we can put it up on our channel. So if you want it, if you want to see it, then we'll obviously we'll we'll do what you want and we'll stick it up on our channel. So for Fight Samples can have a little bit of a nosy in. Hey, look at this. We're getting bloody messages. We'll get it. And, then, and there right is now. a messages about the uh, about the Believe You Me. Uh, thank you very much to King Ragnar. 
uh, for their first message of the show. Uh, so there you go, proof that we are live. If you want to uh, interact with us, you're more than welcome to do so. Somebody asked me on, the, I've just had a quick look at the comments that haven't come up on the screen yet. Somebody just asked, what's the best thing that you've eaten in New York City? Oof. There it is. There it is. What's the best thing that you've eaten in New York City? It's all good 24-7. Is that like a guide for New York City? Or it's all good 24-7. Is this like a, a promo they're going to use for their advertising campaign Maybe. to bring people to Abuses. New York? Go for it. surprise me. Go for it. Uh, what's the best thing you've eaten? Two things. Twofold, and I've got another one here actually. Next door, the little bakery next door to the hotel, they do this beautiful cranberry and pecan. It's like a little cheese sandwich. Absolutely tremendous. I've had one every morning since we've been here. But I've got to say, <laughs> creature of habit, the best thing I've eaten has to be that mutton chop I had in the steakhouse the Proper other night. Proper job, that. That was about, it was like a dinosaur thigh. It was absolutely tremendous. Mm. I over egged that. Um, dinner. Well, because you went Billy Big Balls as usual, yeah. and it's like, do you want an eight ounce steak, Adam? Oh no, no, no! I'm with Nick and Adam. I'm with Nick and Mike, and I'll just show off and give me the big steak. And your eyes are bigger than your belly. Yeah. I told you to have an eight. I'm like your dad. Have an eight ounce. It'll be enough. Yeah, I ordered a twelve ounce and I couldn't finish it. It was a bit too much for me. But you never know. I might have another go at it at some point later on this week. So, all right, you, you're on record saying that you're not the biggest fan of New York City. No. Are you starting to enjoy it a little bit more? Hmm. It's all right. I think the problem for me is everything shit reminds me of like being a kid, being 19, 20, and all the bars shut at 11 o'clock and the, even, even the clubs <laughs> shut at you, half you, past you, 11. Your biggest gripe is that the bars shut. There's loads to do in New York. There is. Like, and you're only the, talking the, about Manhattan. Well, that's what I mean. I, I want to get, get out. I want to get down to Soho. They're my kind of people, you see. This is a bit too touristy for me. I'm not a tourist trap guy. I don't like Piccadilly Circus. I don't like Palace, the Eiffel Tower. That's not where my vibe is. They're not Where's my people. Where's your vibe? Where is it? My vibe here, I'd say, is Tribeca. You've or... heard, right. <laughs> He's heard that once in a Jay-Z song. That's it. never been. <laughs> He's never been. He's heard it once. Oh, dear. Yeah, I'm a Tribeca type of guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when did you go to Tribeca? <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, it's in the song. Yeah, Brooklyn as well. You've been there. I've been to. I have been to Brooklyn. I've been to the Joker Steps. All right. So, uh, so yeah, I've been to Brooklyn. I like the the cut of Brooklyn's jib. So I'm I'm more of a Brooklyn guy. Maybe we get over to Brooklyn. <laughs> As the as the week pans out, went for an hour. Yeah, it's me. This <laughs> tremendous. It's a bit of me. I just think Manhattan is very tourist trappy, isn't it? And I think once you get over there, oh, here's this and here's that. I quite like Central Park. Nice little wander around there. But Which I just is think, Manhattan? I think in terms of nightlife, it's not that good. It's not that good. Where have you been? You've not tried. I've been in about seventeen Irish right. bars already. See, this is him, touristing. Going in the Irish bars whilst he's whilst he's away, Red Lion and all that type of stuff. Only fools and horses on it TV, and he's happy. Listen, if you are Carragher's are shut down, has it? Carragher's. We went look. I mean, we were oh, ambling while, <laughs> while, while you were working yesterday. Did you? All right, now it's all coming out, isn't it? Now it's all. While they left me in the room for eight hours doing the graft. Right, I see. I see. Uh, Carragher's are shut down. I was devastated. What am I going to do for the match tomorrow? No idea. We'll sort something out. If you're in New York. Yeah, specifically or New if you York know City, New York, greater if you area. Know it, if you know it well, let me know where to go tomorrow to watch the uh, watch the Liverpool game. Well, not even that. Just yeah, restaurants. Give night, us a couple of. You, yeah. want, you want nightlife? Don't I you? want nightlife. I want some good advice on places to go. <laughs> ideally in Manhattan or the circumference area. You know, I don't 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 hit me up and say go to you know the such and such a sports bar in New Jersey. I ain't trekking all the way out there. Right, that's an idea, Mike. Note that down. Right. Yeah. 
Beautiful uh, from Matty. He's been on our show on a couple of occasions as Matty. Oh, he's me, mate, Matt. Listen, if we have the facilities to be able to get you on the show as well, then we absolutely will. We just don't have the the audio capacity with the with the headphones and stuff like that to be able to hear what you're saying. But this is brilliant from Matty. I reckon we could get one of the uh, big tour bus round Manhattan, round Times Square and all that and stick you on as the tour guide and you could, <laughs> you, you could, you could go around. Times Square, it's pretty shit. <laughs> Radio City Music Hall. It is what it is. It's a theatre. Yeah. That'd be funny, wouldn't it? Nick's Guide to Manhattan. Yeah. There you go. Uh, the reason why we're here, of course, is for the UFC. 295 this weekend. We've got a fantastic main event. Uh, Yuri Prohachka, former champion, of course, uh, taking on Alex Pereira, who is looking to do something quite phenomenal in such a short period of time, becoming that two-weight world champ. We'll get stuck into that in a minute. And the core main event is an absolute firecracker. Probably... It, well, it doesn't get better than this when you're talking about elite heavyweight mixed martial arts. Sergey Pavlovich, everybody knows what he does. Tom Aspel, everybody knows what he does. They don't like to be in there for too long, either of them. They like to get people out there nice and fast. You zig when you're supposed to zag. This fight is over. An amazing co-main event. And we've also got a really good uh, main card to get stuck into uh, as well. Yeah. With it being the 30th anniversary of the UFC. 30 years of the uh, world's premier fight franchise we've been doing a series of videos where we've been talking about uh, fighters finishes moments all that type of stuff uh, they're all available for you on our youtube channel gonna have a little bit of nosy in yeah uh, let us know your own favorites too uh, and it seems quite apt now uh, that obviously new york's become a staple of the ufc calendar since 2016 when uh, when connor did the champ champ night of course mm -hmm. Uh, and it seems quite an apt place to celebrate 30 years of the UFC. Yeah, because New York, as you say, it took so long for MMA to get recognised and approved and signed off and for the UFC to come to New York in its history that it's kind of apt that in those, what, six years it's been in New York for, did you say? 2016, right? Cap seven years. <laughs> so the seven years it's been Matt's in New York. strong point Yeah, but I know, but what I'm saying is... We haven't had one this year, so it's actually only six years. Until Saturday night, then it'll be seven And I think they missed the year, York. actually, with COVID, There too. you go. Thank you. So I was accurate. But the quality of the fights and some of the greatest moments, and funnily enough, we're doing something with TNT a little bit later on today at the world-famous TikTok Cafe mm. in the shadow of Madison Square Garden, where we will do a show, a show specifically just <laughs> about that, the great moments that have gone down at Madison Square Garden, which, of course, the hey. garden, not the garden, but the garden as in there's been multiple versions of the garden, Obviously goes down in boxing folklore as the home of, you know, so many great nights, great occasions. UFC's kind of catching up to it now. Something just shot into my head there of what Go I'm on. doing later on this week. Go on. We're obviously at uh, the TikTok diner, as he just said, to do the 30-year anniversary of Madison Square Garden. And I, just, I started thinking about some of the fights that we're going to be talking about on Friday. Guess what I'm doing? Go on. Who? At MSG? Uh, no, I'm not doing it at MSG. And I'm, and it's not a fighter that is connected to this card. It is a fighter that is retired. Oh, your little Joanna love date. Um, I asked Joanna uh, for a date where we can reminisce. And have, you, have you seen her partner, by the yeah, way? He's yeah, he's absolutely been... eat you for breakfast. He just flicked me. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, yeah, on Friday, I'm spending uh, the afternoon with uh, Joanna Jacek. <laughs> We're going to go through her career, sit in a cinema together. Mega. Watching uh, all, all the great fights that she's been involved in. Mega. Are you going to take like a Klingon hat? No. For that part of the conversation? Against Wei Lee? Yeah. Just put like a Klingon mask on kind of thing and go, hi, remember me? <laughs> this happened Wei Lee. Uh, uh, good stuff. Good stuff. So we got, we'll do loads of good stuff, obviously. The card is incredible. Mm. But it's a weird card. And now by that, what I mean is... I'll come back to that question in a minute, Mikey. We've got good prelims. 
We've got Goodyear, early prelims. It's a solid card, of course. It's the 30th anniversary. It's a numbered event. It's everything else. But I feel like the main card is the stamp of why we're here. Do you know what I mean? It's like it, this crescendo building towards, maybe it's because there's a personal connection in the co-main events. Maybe it's because the main events, there's something quite special happening with two guys. You know, one's a Czechoslovakian Shaolin warrior. And the other one's this Brazilian tribal huntsman. Like the, 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 it's almost like a like an anime, like a, a manga, comic book matchup, that main mm. event. But the co-main, because it's Pavlovich, because it's Tom, because of our relationship with Tom, you know, it's just, it's just weird. I've, I've never really been around a massive UFC event like this where I've gone, I just can't wait to get to those last two fights. I can't wait to build it towards that crescendo it's, because it, they just feel so much bigger than everything else. Take your personal relationship with Tom out of this for a second, right? Because we were coming to New York anyway for the original main event. Are you yeah. disappointed that you're not getting to see John Jones against Stephen Miocic? Um, that's a great question. Having seen John Jones fight live already, I feel like I've kind of ticked that box. I've been in the presence of the greatest of all time. Whatever else, you know, it, it's our era. I've been there, done it. Any opportunity to see John Jones fight, and I think this probably would have been the final opportunity. I think Maybe. both Jones and Maybe. Stipe more than likely retire. Any opportunity to see that? I think in the future, when you look back and you talk about, you know, old boxing journalists, they'll go, "Well, you know, I, I covered Mike Tyson's fights, Jonas Heyday. I covered Lennox Lewis's fights. I covered these fights, and I've been fortunate. I've covered Carl Zaghi and Prince Nazim and Ricky Hatton fights countless times. And these are the these are the eras. These are the legacies that you want to be able to go. Yeah, man, I was there in Madison Square Garden the night he beat Stipe Miocic. Mm. So there's definitely a big element of like, oh, I'm gutted that off. But as much as I want to remove myself from having a relationship with Tom, I can't. No. Because he's my mate. Yeah. And I'm all in on his story. I've known him, him and his dad for an awful long time. And I can't wait to be in the same room when he walks to that octagon with the opportunity to become only the third Brit in the history of the sport to become UFC champion. Mm. I'm interested to know your thought on that, actually. Is there an, a, a tinge of disappointment if you, you know, I know from a British fight fan's point of view, I'm sure you're pumped for Tom Aspinall versus Sergey Pavlovich because it's a fight. It's absolutely tremendous. But is there a slight air of disappointment that John Jones and Stephen Miocic, the greatest of all time against the greatest heavyweight of all time, going at it in Madison Square Garden, iconic main event, heavyweight title. Is there a slight tinge of disappointment that you're not getting uh, that particular fight? I think the UFC themselves would not never publicly admit it, but they must be disappointed. Because that was yeah. a legacy fight. It's the greatest heavyweight of all time against, you know, largely, largely thought of the greatest fighter of all time in the main event on the 30th anniversary. Mm. Of course, they're disappointed. Do you think they should have gone back to Colorado? Go back to the scene of the crime? Go back to the same state, the same city that hosted UFC 1? Um, no. And the reason why is because back then, it was the fucking Wild West. True. It was, it was a crazy, crazy event, night, idea. All those types of things. I get the nostalgia. I get. I, I get the cyclical thing. Cyclically thing. I'm trying to say. Easy right. for you to yeah, say, yeah. Um, but I think New York symbolises how far we've come with mixed martial arts, because this was a state that had mixed martial arts banned for such a long period of time. It was one of the last ones to get over the line, wasn't it? Yeah. 2016 was the inaugural event, so it's relatively recent. But I think having big iconic events at Madison Square Garden. Uh, a place where 
obviously we had the fight the century, didn't we, between Ali and Frazier. You could look at all the sports from ice hockey to NBA. You can bring in concerts. You can bring in all these different things, all the great things that have happened at Madison Square Garden to now have the UFC connected to Madison Square Garden and have already had in that short period of time big iconic moments. The champ champ situation is yep. always going to be something that goes down in history and it happened right here. Yep. I just think MSG in New York symbolizes where we are at now. Come a long way in 30 years, man. Oh, God, it was, yeah, it was the Wild West. Absolutely. That. People, you know, for a long period of time when we were covering this, when we started this podcast, why are you talking about cage fighting? Mm-hmm. Why are you talking about this? Now, people are starting to recognize it as a legit sport. The respect, the respecting the people that are involved as athletes, not yep. just fucking thugs. And the, and the businessmen and the people at the top of the Absol- tree as well. Serious yeah. players, serious blue chip sponsorships and everything else. But- so I think this is the perfect place. I know that others might go, well, Vegas is the fight capital of the world. Or like you just said there, you could go back to the first ever one in Colorado. I think this is the one. This is the one I look forward to every single year now. Because if you think of the ones that we've been to, Every single year, you have at least one fight on the card that you go, fucking hell, that's a fight of the year contender. Absolutely. It never fails. Yeah. It never. There'll be something. It might not be the main event. No. It, it might not be the core main event. It might be Frivola and Saint it'll Denis. Be, it'll be Frivola versus <laughs> Saint Denis, definitely. It'll be some, something like that will uh, deliver where we're all like, whoa, man, this sport's amazing. Have the UFC missed the trick here by not putting Michael Chandler on? Because he's usually that guy. Chandler versus anybody is fight of the year contender when it goes down at MSG. He's had one with Poirier. He's had one with Justin Gaethje. Is it... Well, we understand why Chandler's sitting on the bench because obviously he's He's hoping that that Conor comes back and and he gets that fight with Conor, probably UFC 300. But I just think forever... After those two nights, Michael Chandler, for me, should always be a lock-in for New York. Always be a lock-in. You're right. He has... He's synonymous now with Madison Square Garden. But so is Alex Pereira. Yeah. That's true. Alex Pereira made his debut here from the World of Glory kickboxing, came here, and two years. This is the mad thing about Alex Pereira. Two years ago, this event is when he made his UFC debut. He became middleweight champion here, knocking out Israel Adesanya, and at the weekend, he gets the opportunity to try and become a two-weight world champion. In just that short period of time, 24 months. What is it, like six fights? Absolute madness. He's beaten the current middleweight champion, Sean Strickland, knocked him out. The old middleweight champion in Israel Adesanya and the old light heavyweight champion in Jan Blachowicz. Jesus Christ. He is. Yeah. This is his fourth potential E4 because Yair is obviously a former champion. His potential fourth world title scalp in a six-fight run that will guarantee well, that if he wins, obviously will give him a two-belt world champion status. Suddenly you're talking about Alex Bahia if he's successful Saturday night as being in the greatest of all time debate because he's in 10 fights, 11 fights. He'll have done something. Most fighters campaign their entire lives and got nowhere close to doing. He could become a two weight world champion Mm -hmm. in 11 fights. That is absolutely mind blowing. When you think at the standard of this sport right now and how tough it is and certainly where he's been from as well, because we all know the conversations about Alex Pereira. We were part of those conversations. He's one dimensional. Mm. He's the, maybe one of the best kickboxers in the sport, but all you got to do is take him down. Everyone's tried. Jan Blachowicz tried to take him down, tried to hold him down, tried to win the fight that way. And he managed to get a victory over Jan Blachowicz, the former champion. So this fight with Yeri Prohachka is really interesting on Saturday night because yes, Alex is trying to do something very, very special and define his legacy. But Yeri is also such an, an such a character, isn't he? He's such an original character. He's so engaging. 
that you want to see where it is. Janey goes as well. He mm. was the guy that got injured and went, you know what? I ain't going to sit on this belt. There you go, UFC. Have that back. When I come back, I'll fight for it again. And obviously, that's why he's getting this opportunity. Well, if you'd have stuck around yesterday when I sat down with Mr. Prohachka, well, you'd have been this, even more captivated. This is why I let young Mike drag me off to go and have a beer and have a Fanta. His blood sugar level was down or something. So oh, I said, I'll go with you, Mike. Oh, I'll look right, after yeah, you. Yeah. But also, I was thinking, you know what? This will give us stuff to talk about because then Adam can tell me what he said. Right. So come on, enlighten me. I was here yesterday. Phenomenal. Everything that you anticipate him to be, he is. He's an incredibly intense individual. It's not an act. He is living by a particular code. I was fascinated to how he arrives at that code. Um, and I could... Listen, when we do these interviews, you're on a bit of a time restraint because he's got to do other television channels and all this type of stuff. I could have sat with him for an hour comfortably because I'm just fascinated by getting inside the dude's head and finding out how he's managed to get to this particular place. He was a football hooligan. Mm. So when he was a kid, um, his father sadly passed away relatively young. Um, he was a live wire, basically. And he's, yeah, he, you know, he, he, he said that he didn't listen to his mum or anything like that. And he was just out with his mates and, and living in these moments and making a lot of crazy decisions. Um, became affiliated with a football club, his local football club, and he was involved in football hooliganism. Um, and then he was, a friend showed him uh, a book called The Five Rings. He started reading this book. It really connected with him about Bushido, the, the way of the samurai and all yeah. this type of stuff. And he went, this is a bit of me. And then obviously he's taken up uh, martial arts and his whole life completely changed off the back of that. And that's how he's ended up going down this route of being fully immersed uh, in what he classes as the Samurai Code. He lives 30 miles out uh, of his local city in a cottage on his own. He gets his water from a well. Like he's, 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 he's fully in. It's not like we speak to so many athletes that obviously they train hard, they eat well, and they, they do their thing. But this is every single step that man takes is in order to live by the warrior's code. He's on the planet purely 100% to be a warrior. No Netflix, nothing? Not as I know of, mate. Well, I think we didn't get that deep. We only had about 10, 15 minutes. But he is, honestly, he's, he's probably the most intense conversation that I've that I've had with a fighter in, in, in fight week. We, we seen, funny, I was reading, well, there was an article or a bit of a video I seen, apparently Anthony Joshua did something similar. He went and stayed in a, a log cabin in the yeah, woods. four for days in the darkness. Three, it? Sat in the darkness for three days or something like that. What you're saying no. is AJ's had a little taste of that to cleanse himself mentally, physically, emotionally. But that sounds like that's a year that, life. That's, that's what a year he does. You know, when, the light, when it goes dark, you go to bed. When the sun comes up, you get up. You go and get yourself some water out of a well. You take a shit up behind the bush, everything else. It's not like he's... It didn't go that far. Dicked. I think he actually uses a bog, mate. I don't think he's just shitting in the woods. I don't know. I wouldn't ask. But I would imagine that he's doing all the things that normal human beings are doing. He's just fully immersed into the war the warrior's way of life, which has helped him, I suppose, with this injury because that injury was That's horrific. Yeah, well, he sure. needed major reconstruction surgery on his, uh, <laughs> on his shoulder, which is obviously going to... We don't know. We don't know how that has healed. He's been out 15 months. He's been in inactivity. Alex has had four fights during that period of time, Massive. all against top-level uh, opposition. But Yuri's... The, the mental capacity of Yuri Prohachka speaking to him yesterday truly, truly blew me away. Like, he... Not that I've never... 
obviously I believe in him because he's a phenomenal mixed martial artist. Mm -hmm. But when you speak to someone like that, you take a bit weird. You know what I mean? It's like, whoa, yeah, man. They, you you want to go and live in the woods? Yeah. You you, 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 you feel Telling that, your missus and the kids. Mate. We're leaving society. We're off, man. We're going to go and get a, a little tent in the woods and we're shift off. behind the bush. This is the, this is the way <laughs> of the life. Yeah. No more Netflix, kids. Do you know like when when athletes or fighters say, I'm prepared to die? Yes. In the, in the, in yes. the octagon, right? And, and, all that, this, and that this is, is a mentality of never quit. You know? Yes. What, that's what they mean by that. I will never quit. I will never surrender. I, I will go down. I will go out on my shield. Yeah. And yeah. He means it. He means he's willing to, you genuinely think he's willing, he's to, willing to give his life. His life because he loves it that much. Because he says. Well, it's, like, it's like the samurai way, isn't it? If, yeah. if a samurai goes into a, 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 a war, a fight and loses the honorable thing to do, or, or if his decision means that is, is whoever lose the honorable thing for a samurai is to fall on his own sword and take his own life because he'd rather he'd rather not be on this earth than live with, without honour and maybe that's kind of the mentality of you know not necessarily, not necessarily win at all costs but he's willing to do anything it takes to win but listen in this sport though <laughs> you know we, you, men, you mentioned it before you're zig instead of zagging especially against someone as talented as Alex Bahia um, it only takes a second to get knocked out. It only takes a second to get mm. choked out. It only takes a second to lose a fight. And I, that's why I'm all in on this main event because as as, it, as as engaging as Yeli Prohachka is, the story of Alex Bahia, where he's come from. You he's, know, he's just as from, engaging. From the, you know, the, the, the jungles of Brazil, his mm. tribal background and everything else. It's absolutely phenomenal that you've got these completely unique individuals, these two truly warrior code living individuals mm. from opposite sides of the world, and they're coming together in New York City of all places, Madison Square Garden, to, to define the next UFC champion. This is what, when UFC 1 was built, I know it was originally built by Hori and Gracie to promote the Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, to promote Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and it worked because it became a global martial art, but... Everybody else involved, the Art Davies and the Campbell McLarens involved in UFC One. For them, this was real life, kick, uh, real life Street Fighter, real mm. life Mortal Kombat. Mm. Can we? Because they were the big games at the time, thirty years ago. Can we do Mortal Kombat for real? Let's bring a sumo guy in. Let's bring in a, a boxer in. Let's bring a karate guy in. You bring all these people together. But more than anything else, it was to find out. Not only which universal martial art works best, but where do the best fighters live? Where do they come mm. from? And now, thirty years on, you scrape this mountain man out of Czechoslovakia, this with a with a Japanese bushido called lifestyle, and you scrape this tribal leader out of Brazil, and you bring them together in New York with all the gram and the lights, and you go, right, man, this is the fucking UFC. Incredible. So you can promo that day. Mate, you no, it's awesome. <laughs> but that's you know like, what I mean. Let's get romantic. Yeah, to the. To the naked, untrained eye, this is going to be violent at the weekend, right? And you look at it and you'll just think that it's just a fight. We're talking about the highest skill level in striking between these two dudes. Mm -hmm. The highest skill level. I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated by it. I'm interested as well, from a Yuri Prohachka point of view, he classes himself as a more rounded martial artist than Alex Pereira. You would probably agree with him to a certain yep. extent, even though he's only attempted one takedown in those. This is another thing yeah, from Prohachka. He's only had three fights in the UFC, man. Exactly. It's insane. <laughs> it's, it's, it's absolutely mental. Look at the level of opponent that he's fought. Became champion, of course. He's had three fights. He's only attempted one uh, offensive takedown uh, in that period of time. I think grappling might actually be the big thing in this particular fight. Well, they're, the fact that they're obviously going to stand and bang at some point. 
But I think that's where the, the, this fight could be won in the grappling exchanges. Well, obviously, because Alex Pereira's head coach, Glover Teixeira, who's, you know, grappling is outstanding from the days with Chuck Liddell and the pit gym and everything else and becoming UFC champion himself to then now training Alex Pereira. But his background was always built on incredible chin, but incredible grappling also. And the fact that Yeri choked him mm. kind of is a big indicator where <clears throat> Yeri's biggest strength would lie compared to Pereira in this fight. But listen, Yeri Prachka ain't sitting in his room now thinking, right, I've got to take him down, no. got to sub him. He's like, man, this kid's eating a spin and elbow. That's what makes it so cool. Let's talk about the co-main. Let's talk about Tom. And don't say, pretend you're not his mate anymore because I can't do that. I need to get excited. I need to get excited the fact that... He asked about you yesterday. Tommy, of course he did. Of course he did. And I told him where you were. <laughs> and he says, I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. <laughs> I did Well, when I got wind of the fact he was on his own, he wasn't with uh, he wasn't with his dad. No, he rolled on his own. That's what I mean. So I was a bit like, well, if Andy's not there, you know, what's the point? You're not... You're comparing yourself <laughs> on an emotional level to his father. <laughs> exactly. Is that what you've just done? Me and Andy are bros. So, yeah, I thought, well, if Andy's not going to be there, there's no point in me being there then, is there? So, Uncle, I'll catch up. Uncle Nobhead. I'll catch up. He's yeah, basically exactly. how he's referred to in the Aspinall exactly. household. Exactly. Go on. What do you want to know about him? Um, listen, I, I, unlike Yuri, I, who we haven't seen for a long time, I don't need you to tell me where Tom's mind's at. I know where Tom's mind at. I know where, what physical shape he's in. I know the fact that, yes, he was waiting to go on holiday with his missus and the kids when the phone came in to take this fight, but still... I knew where he was at physically and mentally. He's ready for a fight of this nature. He's ready to become a UFC champion. And the opportunity has come probably earlier than ever. But guess what? Tom Aspinall's entire career, everything's come earlier than what he expected. Everything's come earlier than what he thought it was going to be. Do you know what we're interested in? Go on. He said, pre the knee injury, he wouldn't have accepted this fight. There you go. And this, I completely and utterly... this type of notice, yeah. he wouldn't have accepted it. I can see that. I can absolutely see it. But post-knee injury... John that knee injury, when he changed his mentality, when he changed his, you know, it's like that old saying, isn't it? Was it Ferguson or whatever said, if, you, if you're good enough, you're old enough about playing young guys, about playing young players, the likes of Owen or Rooney early in their careers and all that. If you're good enough, you're old enough. I think with Tom Aspinall, he's good enough. It's not about, well, I need 10 more fights. Well, I need mm -hmm. to get there. Why? Just do it now, man. You're good enough. Just go for it. And I think he is good enough. And I think on Saturday night he'll prove, and I think Pavlovich will prove that this, these are the these are the guys right at the top of the tree, just below the legends mm. at the top. And the legends probably aren't going to be sticking around for too much longer. I don't think this is going to be the last time that you see Sergey Pavlovich and Tom Aspinall fight each other. That's a good shout, yeah. It's a good shout. Just because they're of a similar age, they're in a similar trajectory, they're so elite, you know. Yeah, and this is such they've a razor. Got, they've both got at least six, seven years left in yeah. this game, probably. And this is such a razor close fight. It wouldn't surprise me either way. One of them walking away victorious, but it, again, whoever does lose, I can see them smoking the rest of the division right now. There might be something else coming through. Somebody might develop. We've been speaking about Jelton Almeida, haven't we? After his performance at the weekend, I thought he dropped the ball a touch, um, and he kind of showed because he was he rubbish. Is. Well, he wasn't rubbish. He was. No, no, no. You, you, was no you're over-egging that. He was yeah. boring. There's a difference between being rubbish and boring, right? In an entertainment business? No, 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 no. bloody It's thing. a sport, mate, isn't it? It's a sport. And what he did was very... Safe. It was good, technically, solid, very difficult to beat. 
But you're right in what you're saying from an entertainment point of view. He didn't light the candle, did he? He needs to round himself out. He needs to get better. What I'm saying is that these two at the weekend, I think, are quite a distance ahead mm. of the majority of the, the rest of the runners and riders. That's why I'm saying these two are probably going to meet again at some point. Not, yeah. not immediately. Two years or something like that. Yeah, They'll probably come see that. back and do it again. I could see that. Because they're, they're you know... They're part of this again. This this group above the rest of the heavyweight division. These are the guys. You know, you, you're talking about Pavlich, you're talking about Tom, you're talking about Silgan, you're talking about you know. There's, there's three or four guys that yeah. you'd expect to have a little bit of a round robin tournament once their legacy match moves to one side. Now, obviously, you did speak to Tom yesterday. I did sit down with Sergei Pavlovich. Um, which, if anyone doesn't know, what happens is the TNT give us a list of interviews we want, and then Billy Big Balls over here, Rich picks the best ones, or I wouldn't say the best ones, but the ones where he feels most. Yeah, you know what? I'll get I'll, I'll get some good content there. Ooh, those two guys this need interpreters. I'll let Nick have the, the guys who need interpreters because they're way more. Alex Pereira needs an interpreter. And he's in the main events. He always does the main events as well. Anyway, but Pavlovich sitting down with Pavlovich yesterday. Obviously, we know what he's all about. Big stoic Russian. You know, whenever you see content outside of the octagon, it kind of looks like he does inside it. You know, big stoic face, not really you know engaging. And it was seemed a nice fellow, man. It was good to sit down with him yesterday, sit across with me, just rocked in with his little Jordan tracksuit on. He'd come in from Florida literally hours before. He had a little team around him, just as buddies. They were all, you know, happy, smiley faces and everything else. And it was just nice to sit across with him and have a conversation with him. And he, you know, he was joking around and saying, oh, I'm not doing that. I'm having a bit of a giggle and stuff. And he seems like a really nice guy. Yeah, he does. Do you know what I mean? And sometimes, you know, especially when you've got an emotional connection to a fighter, you want the other guy. To, to be the Dolph Lundgren. You want him to be the bad guy. You want him to come in and play that part. You don't get that here. But he's not, not that well, guy. Well, you do. You do. You, you know, you'll get that with Colby and Leon in the main event at 296. But you, you don't get that a lot here. No. And I, I, he's just not that guy, Sergei Pavlovich. You know, obviously, I tried to prod him a little bit because the guys want sound bites where he says, I'm going to smash Tom Aspinall. I'll show him who's faster. I'll show him who's stronger. He wasn't that guy at all. No. He was like, mate, I know how good Tom is. And I know how good I am. And on Saturday night, one of us is going to win. And he was kind of going, you know, and it probably won't be the last time I'll see him because he appreciates that both these guys Tom's the same. are right up there. Tom and as you say, same. Tom's the same. You know, the funny thing is they're both, from what I've met with Pavlovich, from what I know from knowing Tom for, for years, they're both absolute diamonds, both absolute good guys. But when that cage door, door closes... The switch clicks. Yeah. Pavlovich becomes a marauder monster and Tom Aspinall becomes an absolute speed demon and someone who was so driven, so driven that nine time, 99 times out of 100, it's impossible to get out of the way. The, the thing that I'm fascinated to see is obviously Tom's feet are tremendous. He's, he's, he's manage, his management of range control is, is top class, but Pavlovich's hands are fast. Yeah. We're not just talking about power, you know. He hits you, he puts you over it. He does it with speed. Those hands are very, very quick. Can Tom get out the way quick enough whilst that thing's coming back at him? Yeah. That's the big thing for me. That's yeah. the big thing. And if he can, then I'll back him to win. But it only takes one click with four-ounce gloves, man, and it's yeah. game over, isn't it? Of course. Of course. And that's what makes it so fat. And just, just one thing on that Pavlovich interview, and again, like Adam's Tom interview, these are both up on TNT's YouTube channel now. Um but I was saying to Pavlovich, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, really. And what's it like to be able to knock people out with, with the way you do? And he was like, I've always had the power, but 
I've learned that it's down to technique. It's where you can't just take it for granted. Mm. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting from a guy with six straight first round knockouts to not in his mind go, I touch motherfuckers and they just go over. That's it. End of story. His mind is still, nah, man, it takes a lot to set up that knockout. It doesn't just come. I've got to set it up. I've got to lay traps. And that means he's a thinking fighter as well as a power hitter. He's not just going in there with all due respect. Someone like a Taito Vassal or Derek Lewis with the confidence of, mate, when I throw this bomb and it lands, it's game over. Mm. He goes in there thinking, how do I set up this bomb? And it'll come when it comes. And that's what they always say. Old coaches always say that to power punchers, the big hitters. Don't look for the knockout. Let it come. Set it up. Don't go in there with the mentality of, I've got to knock this guy out. Got to relax. You got to set things up. You got to set traps and then detonate. And that's where Pavlovich's mind is at. I've got to set it up before it lands. Technical man, very good. Does it get out of the first five minutes? No, it does not. I don't think it does. I really don't think it does. Now, obviously, as you say, says I touches anybody clean, they're in trouble. They're in trouble, and he's fast enough to jump on them and land ground and pound and finish fights. I think Tom's advantage here is he is equally as fast. I think he's equally as powerful, but it's the speed and it's the array of shots that Tom's able to throw. And if it does hit the ground, Tom isn't just about the ground and pound. He's also about grabbing an arm, forcing arm bars, forcing different kind of chokes, different chokes setting, setting up submissions, which is something we've not seen from Sergei. But maybe he has got that himself. Uh, go on, we'll take a... Take a couple of questions. I'll look at the screen there. Matty, thank you very much. He's back again. He's Matty. He's loving the show. Uh, can see Pavlovich throwing wide and Tom beating it, beating him to it down the middle and finishing him on the mat. Straight one always beats a round one. Correct. Yeah, I can see that, Matt. Yeah. I can see that. I mean, if you look at the what he did to Tybura, that was a straight, straight one, one too. too. Yeah. Bruce Lee style, blasting them across the octagon. Yeah. yeah. Straight shots are the key. But... But you can't admire a straight shot and stand there because someone like uh, Pavlovich throws a hook around the back of your ear. Yeah. You don't, you don't, you know. Here's a good one. Who do you lads reckon the next British fighter to get a title shot will be after Big Tom? Good question. Um, Arnold, when does Arnold fight? Is it Toronto? He's rumoured to be on that, yeah. I haven't uh, seen confirmed. Is it confirmed that? I think it is confirmed, yeah. He's on that Toronto card, Arnold Allen, in New Year. I think a big win there obviously puts Arnold back in the frame for that featherweight title shot. So I think Arnold could be a lock-in if he can get... He would need to win mass, you know, impressively. I think Volkanovski's done it lightweight now. So I think that could be an opportunity. To remind us. And are you going to say Little Mo? Little Mo will probably be the one, yeah. Um, I'll tell you what. If Paul Craig can beat Brendan Allen, this is mad, right? Yeah, this is a shout, though, you know. If he can beat Brendan Allen with the way that the division is, you know, ticking along nicely at the moment, and you know that Drikas is obviously getting his title shot, you know not, you, you never know, man. 2024 could be really, really interesting because there's a couple of people that are maybe one or two fights away from being thrown right into the mix. Obviously, Mo's got to get a fight. He wants Kaikara France, doesn't he? He's going to need that in order to then hopefully get him. And he, he kind of needs Roy Val uh, to, yeah. to win at, uh, at Christmas. Um, yeah. So if I, my answer to the question would be Momochev would be the next British fighter to get a title shot. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Paul Craig can put something together, he could be in that mix too. And don't be surprised as well if we kind of knock this out a tiny bit British and Irish, if... 
Oh, Ian, Ian Gary. Gary talks his way into a title Ian, shot Ian with, uh, with with Leon Edwards because uh, you know I know Leon's not responded and I know Leon's not bit on it, but Ian's doing a lot of you know a lot of content at the moment where he's letting people know that um, he was apparently thrown out of that gym on Leon's bequest. You know, we talked about it earlier in the week. We don't believe that's the case at all, but it's got everybody talking. And as soon as someone does poke a microphone in Leon's face, I think he's doing a media day in London next week. Actually, that will be one of the first things he gets asked. So don't be surprised if, uh, if Ian Gary, Leon Edwards could be the main event mm. in the UK sometime next year. Uh, interesting one on the screen. I'm sure everybody can see it. If you're watching along on our YouTube or Twitter feeds right now, uh, this uh, sure, by the way, will be available in audio format. So if you're uh, wanting to listen to it while you're in your cars, we can uh, we can get that for you as well. But it'll just be maybe in an hour after the show finishes. Uh, a lot is said about the power of Pavlovich, but his roots lie in wrestling, correct, Sambo? Um, how does Tom ne uh, negotiate that risk as we haven't uh, seen it on show yet in the UFC? No, we haven't seen it on show yet in the UFC. Um I think Tom will be quite comfortable with it, given how good he is in jujitsu. Yeah. Um, wrestling's getting people to the mat, isn't it? And then you've got to be able to do something when you're at the mat. And I know that, obviously, you'll be referring with his Samo background, lots of ground and pound and various things like that. But I think Tom will be quite comfortable on his back, should he end up being in that position. Yeah, I think I think the, the, the key to that is, I think we need Tom to try and expose that. And then we'll find out just how good this wrestling background is, just how good this Sambo background is. No one's been able to do that yet. And I think it's important that, you know, Tom does put him on his back, at least attempts to take him down so we can see just how strong Pavlovich is in that department. Because it's all good and well saying, oh, his, his background, he started, the first thing he started was wrestling. Yeah. And then later on, he started doing Sambo. And then later on, he started doing kickboxing. And then he came to MMA and everything else. But... We've because we've not seen it inside the octagon. You don't know at what level that's at, and I think that's an important thing for Tom to go right. Let's trade hands. Okay, you're quick. I'm quick. Okay, let's try take down now and see what you like defending a double leg. Okay, I think that's the way to do it. So that we've do, we've done a series of videos this week, and um, part of the uh, part of the series that we put out is our favorite UFC moments over the last thirty years. Great question. Uh, which says here, would a win by Tom instantly become one of your favourite UFC moments? What do you think, Mr. Chamley Parry? What do you think? I think a lot of my favourite moments, if not all of them, um, were related to events when I was inside the arena. Certainly the, 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 the top ones were events that I was inside the arena. Mm. And I think I said it on that video that's on YouTube. There's a different connection when you are present in the room, when you can smell the popcorn, when you can see the blood, when you can hear the punches landing. You have a different connection to that type of uh, that type of fight. So, yes, of course. And, of course, when you go back to the fact that there's a personal connection as well. He's from, basically, our neck of the woods. We know his dad. We know his family set up. We know his journey. We're all bought in on Tom. He's one of the lads. Mm. He's one of our mates. And let's be honest, what have we all been talking about all week? Sunday brunch beers, that's kind of become the, the thing of the week. Will Tom bring his belt to Sunday brunch beers before we all leave New York? So, yeah, of course, it will be something a bit special. And also, probably because that fight's going to be a performance of the night winner. Whichever way it goes, there's a performance of the night on that co-main event for sure. Um, we'll do the rest of the card in a minute. What does that mean, Mike? Why, why is that little yellow? Someone sent us uh, some beer money. Have they? Oh, my God. Game changer. What? What? Just explain, explain that to me now, Michael. You can't. 
can donate on YouTube to give Nick's fear fund a little bit. Of what? Oh my why word! We're we just finding out why about are, this. We are like forty minutes into the show, and we're just finding out people can donate. So this person, NK ninety five, has put ten dollars. Ten dollars. And where is that? It might go to my bank. All right. Oh. <laughs> How do we cash that out? <laughs> Right, well, firstly... Did you even you. bring your card with you, Mike? <laughs> firstly, thank you very much for that. I, ne- I didn't even know that that was a thing. We've never asked uh, for a bean off you, but... We are now. Put some money in the bank and we'll get on the lash. Uh, Tom looks to be too nervous and anxious when the fight starts, but as soon... Uh, sorry, as soon as the fight starts, he fucks people up in the first round. He's, he's, he's actively said that. Like, he, he embraces the... Um, the walk to the octagon, obviously, is Curtis Mayfield track will be ringing around Madison Square Garden where he goes absolutely wild. And he, you can see when he's being, you know, sorted out, gets into the cage. He said, yeah, that's probably at the height when I'm at the, my most nervous. Yeah. But the minute that, whether it's a Mark Goddard or whoever, claps their hands together, they just go. It just goes. And he's just in this cerebral moment of, of doing what he's always practiced doing, which is a good thing, I think. I think you need, listen, if you're not nervous, if you don't feel that energy, there's something bloody wrong because you're in a high threat in a fight. situation, man. You're, you're semi naked in a fight in front of millions of people. <laughs> if you don't get nervous, you've got issues. Well, John Jones, you talk about all the time. And as I say, John Jones, you know, largely recognized as the GOAT, he would say the key to that moment, and this is any sportsman in any high profile event is get those butterflies in your stomach to, to fly in formation. You can't Absolutely, get rid yeah. of the butterflies. Everyone gets nervous. It's about controlling that nervous energy and delivering on the bigger stage. I completely forgot what the conversation was because all I've got in my mind is this. Someone's giving you $10. If we raise $100 during this broadcast, I'll take my T-shirt off. That's it. I'll do the show semi-naked. So I want to see another, how much, what are we short of, Mike? $90? 90. If we get another $90 in that pot, I will strip off for your pleasure. You're welcome. Wow. This is like Babe Station. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Dad Station, kids. If you get $200, I'll take my pants off. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, dear. Oh, my This days. is what they feel like on Babe Station. <laughs> Chuck some money in the pot. Mega. Uh, did I spot a fight disciples hat uh, on the day one video yesterday? If so, take my money now. There you go. This is V2. You've probably There's seen the V1 with yeah, the little logo one? here. This is a V2. We've got the normal t-shirt. Version. Fucking hell, Mike. Your head isn't half small. Jesus Christ. You've got the black one. I've got the white one on. T-shirt wise. <laughs> Trackies. There you go, mate. Yeah, it's all coming. Don't you worry about that. We, we, we spoke about it, I think, on uh, a show two two weeks ago. Cooking violin, Mick. Violin, Mick wants to see flesh. Go on, Mickey boy. I like I like the fact that he's done that. He doesn't want to give you the full 10. He just wants to go <laughs> 9.99. <laughs> uh, yes, you know it. Oh, There's 99 the- pence from Sheldon. That's what Sheldon thinks of my body. <laughs> I'll give you 99 pence to see Nick's flesh. Jesus. What is this Thanks, Sheldon. Right. <laughs> Just keep keep them on the bike. Yes, uh, regarding merchandise, uh, the, hopefully there will be something coming to you very, very soon. It's down to him. He's the merchandise man. Fingers crossed he pulls his finger out and gets something to you very, very shortly. Uh, how much to see uh, Nick sing Sweet Caroline? Do you want to sing Sweet Caroline? Yeah, I'll sing it. I'll sing it. Pickle what's your, Doom. What, you, what are you charging? Um, Sweet Caroline. 20 bucks. 20 bucks. 20 bucks. 
for a there sweep online. line. There's 10. There's another 10 there. He's That's MK95 again. He's put another 10 in. Is that my wife? <laughs> no, she, 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 she'd be like, put it on. She'd pay money for me to put clothes on. MK95, hello. At least my wife knows anyway. If she ever left me, me and MK95 would slip off into a uh, quiet corner. Nick, please don't strip. Oh, he's paying for me not to strip. <laughs> There we go. If we get $100, I'll strip. If we get to $200, I'll keep my clothes on. There you, there you go. go. There you go. Right. Oh whilst, whilst you're doing that, um, we've got other fights to talk about as well. Jessica Andrade is going to be in town. Saw Mackenzie Dern yesterday mm-hmm. in incredible shape. Amazonian is the word I would use to describe her. Mackenzie? Yeah. Amazonian. Do you know what I mean by that? Big, strong, powerful woman. Look like she was... Uh, have you ever seen um, the movie... Uh, what's the female superhero? Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Have you ever seen the movie Wonder Woman? It's on some island in the middle of, I don't know. No, it. It's like an island hidden away from the gods. And the only people who live there are all these women and they're warriors and everything else. And obviously Wonder Woman comes from there. I kind of think Mackenzie Dame was probably born on that island. She's got that type of look about her. And then you flip that over and you've got just Jessica Andrade. Ball of power. Who is just absolutely solid. Solid. That's some fight that, you know. Zandraj's back is against the wall. She's gone from being UFC champion to this year, 2023. Starting the year with a win. She's been stopped three times since. Never been stopped three times. She's all over in weight divisions though, isn't she? Three times. So this year, Jessica Andrade has had four fights. Won one and been stopped in three. Mm. The former champion. Mm. She's going in with a girl that, let's be honest, the UFC really like her. She's a bit of a poster girl, mm. is it, Mackenzie Dan? Because she crosses over yeah, but she's massively into the group few jiu-jitsu bumps. world. She's had a few bumps along the way. You know she's coming mean? off a good win, though, isn't she? Good win over Angela Hill mm. and a five-rounder. Mm. So, you know, she's got, she's proved now that she can win over the marathon distance. Now she comes back to a 15-minute sprint against a girl that's desperate for a win. And listen, I know I say all the time, losing is a habit, and it is. But I think with with... Jessica Andrade, it's not necessarily the habit, it's the fact that she's so desperately trying to break it yeah. that it puts it into vulnerable positions. Yeah. Uh, tip for fight of the night, Matt Favola versus Benoit Saint-Denis. Lock in. Um, Lock in. You sat down with Benoit. He seems a really interesting dude. Yeah. Again, I had, I had the two mean, mean muggers, didn't I, yesterday? And uh, I tried to get a little bit personal with them both. Um, you know, Benoit's eyes lit up when I mentioned his daughter. His daughter was born in July. But, you know, when you look at Benoit, so Benoit Saint-Denis is former French special special forces, went into operations in Mali, protected the presidents yeah. and everything else. You know, a, a basically a French version of a Brian Stan, a decorated war veteran. His, He's a French James Bond. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. His wife was also a professional athlete. She was like a handball player or something like that, or maybe a, a foosball player or something. But she was also in the Special Forces, and guess what she did? And maybe still does. She teaches snipers. She's a sniper Fucking coach. Hell. Imagine trying to date Benoit Jr. when she gets to like 16. Imagine being that boy who knocks on the door saying, I've come to take your, your daughter out for dinner or whatever it may be. Mate, when that mum and dad says, have her own for nine o'clock, you have her own for half past eight. A dad's a James Bond and a mum's a sniper coach. Absolutely incredible. But his eyes lit up yeah. because he's in, when he gets in there, 
He's an assassin, isn't he? He's an absolute monster. His hands are really powerful. He's got the most ridiculous chin. But what he's trying to do is close the distance, get you on the floor, ragdoll you everywhere, and smash you to bits with his elbows. And if what? If you can take an elbow, he's going to choke you out and snap your head off your shoulders. That's how he fights. And in Paris, he lights the place up. But we ain't in Paris, baby. We're pretty far from Kansas. We're in New York City. And that's Mafravola's hometown. Yeah, yeah. And he's never lost in New York City. And he's coming into the fight on the back of three up. knockouts. Yeah. Three straight knockouts. Come on. Fight of the night. The best Pay thing, them now. Yeah, the best thing about it is that you, they won't have to go looking for each other. They don't go backwards, do they? That, they're not what you would class. I mean, Benoit Saint-Denis maybe is a bit more tactical. But they are all action, pair of them. Let's go. When they say fight, they're going to fight. Absolutely. Someone is getting battered in that fight. And it might be both of them. And I think that, as we said earlier, might that's your lock-in for fight of the night. That's your you. Madison Square Garden lock-in for a contender of fighter of the year. Fight of the year, sorry. Yeah. Uh, so Diego Lopez yesterday. Uh, we've all fallen for Diego Lopez. Obviously, he came in last minute, didn't he? Fell short on his first fight. Got a win in his second fight. Um, obviously, comes out the same um, gym as Charles Oliveira and all these uh, characters. Diego Lopez taking on Pat Sabatini, kicking off the main card. Again, another fun fight. Yeah. How jealous are you of his hair? Oh, mate, I'm jealous of every fucking hair. <laughs> He's got that big floppy hair. Mate, everybody, everywhere, anybody, anybody that's got a barnet, mate, I'm absolutely jealous of it. Look at it. <laughs> anybody watching the show right now, this is a really badly lit room, and all you can do is get the glare off the top of my dome. Look at that there. Yeah. There it is. You need to get some Mr. Sheen on that, kid. But yeah, listen, there's a reason why it's kicking off this card, because both these guys have got the potential to go a long way in this sport. Uh, and I think it's a really good matchup. It was good to see Diego Lopez yesterday getting a little bit of media love, doing the rounds of the media stuff. Yeah. Weirdly backstage yesterday, La Liga had a station. La Liga, the you know, the, the, the Spanish football league, were here with their social team and they were doing stuff with fighters. I've seen Yeri Prachka was doing some keepy-ups. I've seen... Uh, Jessica Andrade was doing some passing drills. Jessica Andrade, by the way, can play. Mm. She did more keep you up than Adam. That's all I say. And that's not a female male thing. I'm just saying Adam was rubbish. I thought you could play. I seen you playing that talk sport five-a-side thing the other week, and everyone was like, well, other than the ex-pros, Adam Cattrall was probably the best player. And I was like, oh, my boy must be a bit of a player. And then Lucy from TNT was like, oh, you missed your boy doing keep you ups. And I was like, really, how many? What you do, 12? Mate, I got a ball thrown at me. I had me Travis Scott's on. Listen, later on, I'll go full Samba rules. Shoes and socks Mate, off, and we'll have it. I've got me, I've got me, get a football me flip-flops on. Get me a, if someone, listen, if someone just threw a ball in right now, I'd just be like, chest, knee, knee, drag back, flick, because I was born to play football. That's a fact. <laughs> Less than 10. <laughs> I like, do you know what I love? When you do stuff like that. That's a fact. No, that's a Nick Pete opinion. That's not a fact. That's a Nick Pete opinion. Get me a ball right now. I was born to play back. football. That's a fact. <laughs> Instead, he sat on a couch with me in New York City talking about fights. Uh, Roy, thank you very much for your message, mate. Uh, hey, lads. Oh, it's Dino. Oh, it's, Dino. It's, yeah, oh, it's Roy Munson. Nice. <laughs> ah, sorry, sorry. Yes. Sorry. Same hey, haircut as Adam. Dino here. Uh, <laughs> I hope you're enjoying the experience. Are there any sharks we don't know about on the undercard to stick his sneaky fiver on? Go! There's a literal shark. Baby shark. Baby shark. We're talking about Tabitha Ritchie. Yes, we saw Tabitha Ritchie yesterday. 
She's got an entourage. Let me tell you, everyone was there. And Nan, her uncles, her aunties, you name it. Not just the coaching team. She had a full-on entourage. And? And they've all got the baby shark hoodies on. And her fella is fighting on Thursday night. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, her fella. Yeah, Callum Walsh. She's dating Callum Walsh. So if you follow us on boxing, uh, we'll be speaking about Callum a bit. He's fighting in Madison Square Garden on Thursday night. Mm -hmm. And uh, him and Tabitha are... uh, or an item, as yeah. they say. I seen a nice little uh, Instagram post yesterday, and I'm walking through Times Square, holding hands. What a way to... to Mate, know. mega. Brilliant. I'll free holiday. Thursday, you first. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of free holiday up in uh, New York City. <laughs> mega stuff. Go so she And she quite literally is the baby shark. So look out for Tabitha Ritchie, yes. Is that the one off the off the uh, prelims and early? Prelims yeah, I think so. Yeah, I had someone else marked down. I think the listen. I think Jared Gordon versus Mark Madsen is going to be an interesting fight as well. Uh, Jared Gordon, as we know, I think it might be got a, a lot of eyeballs on him because of the Paddy it, situation. I think it might be grapple heavy. That you know. Well, that's who Mark is, and he? he's an Olympic grappler, so you you yeah. would kind of expect that. Jan versus Borjas, the Joshua Jan versus Kevin Borjas. Both guys have only got one loss in their career. Both guys are coming into this with a never ever coming to this level of MMA before. Sometimes when you get two guys in a very similar p- position, I think the second on the card as well, that 50 grand bonus incentive means that these two are going to throw down. So look out for Van versus Borjas early on the card. I think that's going to be fun. Just look that message back up, Mikey. Uh, someone stuck a, a 10 quid in there. Thank you very much. Kingdom's kingdom. Um... Sure, yeah, you're not right. You're not wrong, mate. The bloody expensive pints out here, pal. Let me tell you. Sure, half a pint on me, lads. Uh, best MMA podcast in the world. Uh, you're both. Thank you very much for the compliment on the uh, Believe You Me stuff. Like I said, if you missed it, us on uh, Believe You Me with Mike, we will put that uh, on our channels as well, so you can uh, you can have it in your own feeds. Uh, keep up the great work, Smashy. Thank you so much, mate. Appreciate that uh, that love. I, I said a very cheesy thing, you know, on my uh, moments video. Okay. So the moments that I picked, yeah, Mike becoming champion, Leon becoming champion. We were very, very lucky to be in the situation where we were one of the few people in the arena when Habib retired. Yes. Big oh, God, moment. yeah. I forgot about that. That would have been in my bloody moments, yeah. Um, Connor's champ champ speech. Yeah. Apologised to absolutely nobody. Mega. And Sensational. My, and then my last one was quite cheesy. Do you know what I love? Me. Yeah, <laughs> but what I, what I really, really love is when people that watch our show, uh, they might meet us at an event or just randomly come across us in a bar or something like that, and they say, I didn't used to like UFC, didn't used to like MMA. Yeah, that's true. We have this a lot. Um, I used to listen to your boxing stuff, and I thought, go on then, I'll give them a chance. And then because of the enthusiasm and, the, and what they were hearing on the show, then have a little bit of a flirt with the UFC and then start to fall for it like, we fall for it. I use that as one of my moments. I love oh, that. Mega. It is. It is. And you know what? You can even highlight that this week because one of our... Yeah. This is mad. Check this followers, out. Bobby Check this B, out. Check this out. Used to listen to us because of our boxing show. He got bought in. He was in the Middle East at the time of a UFC Abu Dhabi. He attended that UFC Abu Dhabi event. It was two years ago, Islam Makhachev versus Charles Oliveira. Yeah. He fell for the sport there. Imagine that, though. He's been at two London events since, and now he's flying out this weekend just for UFC uh, 295 in New York. And 18 months, two years ago, Bobby B wasn't even a UFC fan. Yeah. And now he's like, actually, I enjoy this more than, that, more than boxing. Yeah, yeah. So... I love that. when Obviously, when people send us those messages that they're, they're, they're in... And they're enjoying the sport because they kind of got introduced to it through this podcast. That's a top moment for me. Mega. Because that's that's the whole point. That's the whole point. That's why we're here. We're trying to grow the sport. We're trying to, you know. We love it. And we want you to love it as much as we love it. Absolutely. 
Uh, I'm new to the podcast. Absolutely loving the content, guy. This is very self-indulgent now, Mikey. Mm. Right, that just... was Sirens, that was. He was one of your boys. See him then? His picture was him at some decks. Let's have a look. Put that one back up, Mike. He had, he had some... Is uh, he a DJ? He had some techniques on the oh, way there. Oh, he's they, doing a bit they, of DJing, is Are he? they Technics? Technics decks? I remember decks. I'm cool. I'm down with the kids. <laughs> Anybody that says they're down with the kids <laughs> is absolutely not down with the kids. <laughs> How's uh, our fun going, Mike? Is this shit? Yeah, stay come on, on, man. Need another 50 quid in there. Oh, we're $50, $50 short. Right, for those that have To just... be fair, someone did pay a tenant for me to keep it on, so maybe that should be a minus. Maybe we're 60 quid short. Yeah, we're a bit short. If, if you've just joined the show. Thank you. Nick's, Thank you. Nick said earlier on, once we found out that you could actually make donations to the channel, which is a brand spanking new thing for us, so just yeah. one, one person w- that was watching the stream decided to chuck a tenner our way. Thank you very much for that. Nick then took it upon himself to say that he would uh, take o- take his shirt off. Not all your clothes off, just your shirt, mm-hmm. should we get to 100. We're currently on 50. So five people like us. In Thank fact, you. We should, we're on 40 because someone's put a ten- took a tenner off yeah. <laughs> Nick, when, you, exactly. when, you, when you said that you're going to get stripped down. Um Right, here we go. This is a good one. Uh, Sean Williams. Uh, do you think Stipe will retire now without having another fight? Wouldn't that be such a shame for an absolute legend to not get the opportunity to bow out in front of a crowd? Yes. Right. Do I think he'll get a fight? I still think the legacy fight's on. This is... It's a, when, it's a, though? It's going to be at yeah. least a year. Well, it's weird, right? The John whole, Jones can't train for eight, nine months. This whole situation is going to be weird. I think we're going to... Whatever happens at the weekend, whoever becomes that interim champion it's going to stay like that for a period of time I still think the legacy fight John Jones and Stephen Miocic will be made at some point once Jones is fit and he's ready to rock and roll or at, or it'll at least be offered to to the pair of them and then off the back of that I think both of them will retire I, I personally do not think that the winner of this weekend will fight for the, the full heavyweight title the full champion in John Jones I, th- I think the one of them will eventually become full champion, but I don't think it'll be through fighting John Jones. I think Jones and Stipe is the legacy fight, and then that'll be it. Part of the, the, the rhetoric and part of the reason why we love the UFC, though, and we bang this drum and we say, boxing needs to catch up, man. Boxing needs to live from the UFC is because the belt is no bigger than one man. And in most cases, 99.9 times out of 100, the case would be champions inactive for a year because of injury, give up the belt, and let's let the division breathe. The difference here is this is a bit of a unicorn situation because you've got a legacy fight between the most successful heavyweight of all time and the perennial goat. So to strip that of a full title means that when Johns do- does come back, he would have to face, you know, a Pavlovich, an Aspinall, a Gan, whoever's got the belt. And likewise, Stipe, to become a challenger, would need to take one of those guys on. At this stage in their career where they're both pretty much Stipe for sure, one last fight in. I think that's why the UFC have kind of made special arrangements and gone, right, we won't stagnate the division, but we're going to be a little bit naughty here. And we're going to go, this fight is untouchable. Mm. We don't want anything to threat it anything to come as a threat to that so we're gonna have to do this over here and i think for the first time uh possibly in ufc history we could see that interim heavyweight belt be defended while that fight sits in recess i think it will i think it will i think you're right i think you're right and i don't know how i feel about that i don't know how i feel about it i'm still not sure because the beauty of the ufc is that we don't have situations like this it's not like boxing where interim belts and commonwealth belts and all these other bullshit belts get defended every other weekend Mm. One singer, one song, one weight division, one champion. And I think for a year now, probably for 2024, we're going to have to sit back and go, okay, well, 
interim belt it is until we get this over here. So mm. I don't know how I feel about it yet. I'm still kind of getting my head around it. But on what you've just said, I hope Stipe does get the opportunity to fight yeah. and to bow out uh, in front Agreed. of the crowd. And but where's he going to be in a year's time? Yeah, it's, 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 it's a difficult one, isn't it? It is a real difficult one. I really hope that he gets that opportunity. Because um, the, the motivation to come for Stipe to come back and fight the winner of Saturday night, for instance, in March, April or May, or, you know, let's say UFC 300, they will want a heavyweight title fight at UFC I mean, how good would that be? Stipe versus the winner of this this weekend? It would be incredible. But in terms of Stipe's, Stipe's that legacy then, which of the great, most successful heavyweight in UFC history, isn't on the line with John Jones, which gives him, well, he beat the GOAT as well. Now Stipe is going to get lifted to this level. Stipe could lose that title, if you like, against the next generation. And it's almost like a Floyd Mayweather against Canelo situation. Do you know what I mean? It's like, if that blew up, blows up in your face, well, the next generation's beat you. And then let's say it's Tom. Tom Tom beats Pavlovich. Then he beats Stipe, retires Stipe. And then the pressure then is, well, John Jones got to come back and fight Tom Aspinall. Now, from a fight fan's perspective, that's great. Yeah, yeah. But from a legacy perspective in terms of the career of Stipe Majocic, I understand why he's like, Man, I don't want to face one of these young guys. What will that do for my legacy? I don't, think, I don't think Stipe will give a shit. Listen, we've met Stipe. I think if he didn't give a shit, though, dude, he'd be fighting Pavlovich this weekend. So no, clearly he, he does give it. a shit. No, he wasn't offered to he him. Was. He was. Pavlovich said he was. Pavlovich said, Stipe he, was said he wasn't offered to him. Pavlovich says different. Pavlovich says Stipe didn't want it. That's why I'm fighting. But listen, maybe we're wrong. Maybe the UFC are keeping the powder dry. They want that legacy fight. Again, I understand everyone's situation and position on this. I just don't know as a UFC fan where my mind's at with it because this is this is a little bit of boxing behaviour, but I kind of get it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, any more questions, Mikey, before we wrap the show up? We've done the full preview of everything uh, at UFC. Uh, surely there needs to be another Northwest. Oh, somebody heard something. Uh, hello, Mr. Charlie Parry. Uh, hey, what have you, you been hearing? Are you trying to get us to say something and get ourselves into trouble? Uh, surely there needs to be another Northwest England event next year with Tom and Paddy on the card and maybe even Leon too. No comment. <laughs> there you go. We'll leave it at that, shall we? We'll leave it at that. Um, you'll be pleased to know nobody else donated any door, so therefore he doesn't Thank have you. to take his kit off. Thank you. We didn't want it anyway. Listen. We, didn't, um, we, we definitely did not want that. Um, we... Uh, we do this because we absolutely love it and hopefully you love it too. So hopefully you've enjoyed the live uh, stream watch along. Everything that is happening right now is happening in the moment, hence the questions. Uh, however you are consuming the show, we thoroughly appreciate your time uh, this afternoon. I know that you're all busy people, but uh, hopefully you're feeling the excitement of everything that's going on here in uh, in New York City. Uh, as Nick said at the start of the show, we're off to the TikTok diner near uh, Madison Square Garden in a minute uh, to do a Madison Square Garden history of uh, show which will be available on TNT Sports so make sure you tune into that we've got plenty of other bits of bats coming out throughout the course of the week as we mentioned Callum Walsh is in New York boxing uh, tomorrow night we're going to go to that and we're going to do the podcast from there yes alright so we'll do the boxing, boxing podcast the boxing podcast from there the previewing the, uh, the weekend's boxing and we are hopefully going to be live again on Friday morning in the immediate aftermath of the weigh-in. So once the weigh-in, the official weigh-ins, not the ceremonials, once the official weigh-ins have finished here in New York, we will do this again. And, we will, and we'll jump on. We won't, won't take up too much of your morning or your early afternoon. Uh, we'll do, what, 15, 20 minutes or something like that as an immediate reaction to everything uh, from the boys and girls hitting the scales for UFC 295. All that is left for me to say 
is please subscribe to us. You can do that very simply if you just want an audio feed via our website, fightdisciples.com. Everything is there, Spotify, Google Play, Apple, all that type of carry on. Uh, But more importantly, we are trying to grow our community here on YouTube. Uh, So please subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Hit that. You can comment all day long. You can agree with us. You can disagree with us. You can say whatever you want to say. It's a big community. We're all fight disciples at the end of the day, and that's where we're trying to grow uh, what we're doing. More Daily Diaries coming as well from behind the scenes. Yeah, I'm going to take Adam ice skating. Fucking hell, right? So that's just well worth a subscription on its own, isn't it? Uh, So make sure you subscribe there because there'll be more Daily Diaries coming out uh, throughout the course of the week. And of course, on Saturday night, Reaction Cam. We know that you love it. In the moment, reactions to the finishes and the event itself uh, from Madison Square Garden. Cheers or tears, that's all I will Ooh, say. Nice. Cheers or tears. Can I sing us out as we as we go out? Sweet Caroline. Blah, blah, blah. Fight Disciples. 